Well, welcome to Good Friday at Oxford Community Church. Uh, a warm welcome from me. My name is Chris Fulton. I'm a part of the leadership team here at OCC. Uh, and so it's a, just a massive pleasure to see you all here on a Friday of all days. Um, and today, uh, being Good Friday, it's become our custom over the last few years to do things a little bit differently. And today what that means is slowing down, to take a moment to reflect on everything that Good Friday means for us together as a community, as families, as friends, and as individuals. Um, and it's good that today, on a day that actually many of us might be used to going to school or going to work, uh, we'll be stopping from the busyness of those rhythms. And we're also going to pause and take communion together. And we're going to worship together. And we'll have a chance to hear the story of Jesus' death afresh from the Bible. Um, and uh, it's, uh, it's a, a good Friday, not because of the events that happened and that we're going to hear about today. We're, we're going to hear about events that are decidedly bad from uh, the majority of points of view. We're rehearsing a story that seems bad, but it is good for us. And that's why we call it Good Friday. And it's, um, it is a perfectly reasonable thing for us to be together, to stand together in worship and praise to the king, um, even though we will be rehearsing a sad story. At Christmas, we often talk of Jesus being the light of the world. And now, on Good Friday, we remember that Jesus came to bring light into a world which didn't recognize the enormity of who he is, who he really is, the Son of God. And instead, that light was extinguished, it was put to death. And so, as we rehearse the story of Easter today, in the run-up to Christmas, we light more and more candles. Today, we're going to gradually extinguish them. And the first part of the story is going to be read to us by Alison. Then, one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and asked, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? So they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? He replied, go into the city to a certain man and tell him, the teacher says my appointed time is near. I am going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. When evening came... Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve, and while they were eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you 
will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him one after the other, Surely you don't mean me, Lord. Jesus replied, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go, just as it is written about him, but woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. Jesus answered, You have said so. The passage continues. During the meal, Jesus took and blessed the bread. Broke it. And he gave it to his disciples. Take, eat. This is my body. Taking the cup and thanking God, he gave it to them. Drink this, all of you. This is my blood. God's new covenant, his new promise, poured out for many people for the forgiveness of sins. I will not be drinking wine from this cup again until that new day when I'll drink with you in the kingdom of my Father. Jesus knows at this point that he's going to be betrayed by one of his closest friends, his disciple, who's been with him since the beginning. And yet, he sits with them, he eats with them, he blesses them, and he forgives them. We're all welcomed by Jesus today to sit with him, to be forgiven by him, to be blessed by him, and to eat and drink with him. So this is an outward sign of our inward commitment to him. It's good to pause in life. It's good to make time to be in Jesus' presence. And uh, I'm keen not to cut across things that are going on and prayers that are happening right now, but we also would like to continue with the story that rolls inexorably on. The next part of the story involves betrayal. And betrayal is, is a bitter thing. It, there's a taste to betrayal that is a bitter taste. And um, now as Rachel uh, comes to read the next part of the story to us, um, we're going to pass around plates of slices of lemon. And when she finishes, she's going to extinguish the next candle and then we'll taste the taste of betrayal. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. Then he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, 
If it is possible, may this cup be taken away from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't your men keep watch for me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed. My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of the sinners. Rise, let us go, here comes my betrayer. While he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. With him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs, sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Later on, Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? You have said so. Jesus replied. When he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate asked him, Don't you hear the testimony they're bringing against you? But Jesus made no reply, not even to a single charge to the great amazement of the governor. Now, it was the governor's custom at the festival to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. At that time, they had a well-known prisoner whose name was Jesus Barabbas. So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, which one do you want me to release to you? Jesus Barabbas or Jesus who's called the Messiah? for he knew it was out of self-interest that they handed Jesus over to him. While Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him this message. Don't have anything to do with that innocent man, for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests And the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. Which of the two do you want me to release to you? Asked the governor. Barabbas, they answered. What shall I do then with Jesus who's called the Messiah? Pilate asked. They all answered, Crucify him. Why? What crime has he committed? Asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, Crucify him. 
when Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that instead an uproar was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. It is your responsibility. All the people answered, his blood is on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas to them, but he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. At this point, we invite a response. We are, in many ways, like the crowd in that story. We do not know what we want, and we often want what is bad for us. We want Barabbas, not Jesus. But the power of Jesus' death is the power to take away the things that we are not proud of, the things that make us choose one thing over another, the things that put Jesus lower down in the hierarchy of where all things should sit than where he deserves to be. Anything that's not honored Jesus in the way that he deserves. And so what we have now is an opportunity individually, as families, uh, parents encourage you to gather your children to you and uh, help them through this process, um, to write down on a piece of paper the things that you are not proud of, that honor something other than Jesus. The Bible calls this sin. And that writing down is the first step. The second step is then to take the paper to the foot of the cross where Jesus' Jesus's death takes away the sins of the world and to see it gone until nothing's left. When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And sitting down, they kept watch over him there. Above his head, they placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Two rebels were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left, Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, You who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the Son of God. In the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. 
In the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook. The rocks split. And the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God. (laughs) 